Well, it's a blessing for us to welcome you here on this Christmas Eve to First Baptist Church. This is our fourth Christmas Eve service that we've been able to be a part of since I've been your pastor. The first one, we were doing it outside and we had snow flurries. And then you remember last year, it was sub-zero temperatures last year. We had the scrape ice and were we going to have service or not have service, but we felt like the Lord wanted us to do it. And so we pressed forward. And then this year, it's sunscreen and 70-degree weather. Uh, no wonder we're all sick and uh, when the weather like this, but it is a blessing to welcome you and your loved ones here at the First Baptist Church on this Christmas Eve. I shared some stories this morning, and let me finish some of those. Over the weekend, we were up in areas where the tornado had hit, and we were just giving out gift cards to people who had had significant damage to their houses. We were going door to door. We did about 50 of those, and we gave those away to people. And we have some amazing people who live in our city. Uh, we went to one house, knocked on the door. The lady came to the door, and uh, we just said, we are from First Baptist Church. The Lord's been so good to us as a church. And I know you've had a traumatic couple of weeks in your life, you and your family, and we just want to say Merry Christmas to you, and we want to bless you from First Baptist Church and just say thank you. And then we, we were able to share some other things, and I said, how can we pray for you? And she gave us some insight on how we could pray for it, and we stopped and prayed right there. And then we gave her the, the envelope with a gift card in it, and her response was, I really do appreciate that, but there's some other people around me who have greater needs than I do. Maybe you should give that to them. Unselfish people. And we continue to bless her, and we helped other people around her as well. But as we continue to move forward in the rebuilding phase of what happened two weeks ago, let's continue to pray for people and serve people and love people and be a blessing to people. As we think about he must increase and we must decrease from John 3.30. As I think about Jesus, is he the priority of your life? As you think about Jesus, do you get up in the morning thinking about him? Do you think about him throughout the day? When you go to bed at night, are you thankful for the day that you've had to walk with him and to know him and to serve him and even share him? Uh, Chris Beck and I were having lunch this past week at a restaurant here in town with somebody. And so we got our food and we've been sitting and eating and, and finally we're almost done with our meal. And, and one of the employees came over to the table and said, is it okay if I tell you all a joke? And we said, well, that depends. He said, depends on what? I said, well, if it's dirty or vulgar, we don't want to hear that joke. We don't really want to put that in our minds and we don't want to hear that. He said, well, I can't tell the joke then. And so we said, that's good. He said, what about a clean joke? I said, that's good if you want to tell us a clean joke. Well, he told us a clean joke, but I really didn't understand what it meant at the end. So I didn't, didn't really grasp it, didn't catch that. And so when he finished, I said to him, I said, hey, are you, is it okay now if you told us a joke? Is it okay if we tell you the greatest story in human history? And he said, yeah, I'd like to hear that. And I said, I'm going to start then with Christmas, and his name is Jesus. And we shared the message of the gospel right there at that table, that man, and then he prayed from his heart to give his heart to Jesus at the lunch table. Only Jesus can do that. And so that's why on this Christmas Eve, I just challenge us, Lord, give us every opportunity possible that we can make much of you in our conversations, in the way we live life, whoever we're around, let's make sure that he increases and that we decrease. 
Now, on your teaching outline, important words during Advent, I want you to write some of these down. We've been walking through this sermon series. We come tonight to focus on Jesus, but Jesus is about everything that we do. But important words during Advent, the first one is love. You and I need to realize that we, we, he loves you and me. He loves us so much that he gave his only begotten son for us. That whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. We need to know that he loves us so much that while we were yet sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. That means he loves us unconditionally. His love's never going to end. His love is always steadfast with you and me. But we focus on love. Second word is hope. We need hope beyond this life. This life is hard, this life is difficult, this life drives us to our knees, this life says, what is beyond this? But we have hope to say, this is not the end. We are just passing through. And this is preparation time to get ready for eternity for heaven. Why? Because we have a hope that is steadfast and his name is Jesus. And so no matter what comes your way in life, you have hope because of who he is. Third word is the word joy. You and I have joy tonight because, again, of Jesus. Not simply joy because of circumstances. Circumstances can be good or bad. Circumstances can, can cripple us in life in many ways. But we have joy tonight because of who the Lord Jesus Christ is. And we have joy in a relationship with him. And then the fourth word is the word peace. We have peace tonight. Why? Because of who Jesus is. I'm reading a book right now entitled Take My Life. It's the story of Graham Lacey. Graham Lacey was a very prominent person in the world in life and, and he had access to a president. He was a close counsel to a president, had access to Dr. Billy Graham. He had made lots and lots of money in life through real estate deals and other ventures as well. So he had everything the world would want. But here's what happened to Graham's life. Even though Graham had everything this world could offer, he was still lacking peace in his life. And he got to a point where he wanted to take his life and then ultimately Jesus changed his life and saved him. And then Graham came to a place in his life to say, Lord, now you take my life and make sure that you are first the priority in my life so that Jesus would increase and I would decrease. And so Graham talked about peace. You're not gonna get that peace through the stuff of this world, through money and fame and all that. It's not gonna come through that. It's gonna come through a relationship with the son of God who is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now look at this next. What is your life verse from God's word? As you look at this, what is your life verse in 2024? I challenge you to spend time in the scriptures. You cannot mature as a disciple with a closed Bible. I just encourage you this year coming up in your life, in your walk with Christ, whether you're a child, a student, or an adult, make a commitment that you're going to spend time in, in God's word. God, I want to know what you're saying. I want to know how it applies to my life. And then, God, I want to know how to live it out. If Jesus is going to increase and you're going to decrease, then you must do so with an open Bible. God, what are you saying to me? And how can I know you? And how can I live this out? Look at this next part there as we see this. What, what matters in life? That's a big question on Christmas Eve. What matters in life? Well, sometimes it depends on who you ask. What does the world believe? And here's what the world believes tonight. The world tries to convince us. The enemy is trying to tempt us that here's what matters in life. It's all about you or it's all about me. And the world's gonna say this. It's all about I, I, I. 
Well, is that the message of God's word? Well, John 3.30 says again, it's my life verse. My verse says what? He must increase, we must decrease. It's not about me, it's not I, 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 it's about Jesus in life. And so what do we know about Jesus' life? And what does God say? We're gonna see, it's all about the Lord Jesus. What do we know about Jesus' life? Look at this, I wanna give you these insights because this is the gospel. When you're gathering with your family tonight or tomorrow and you want to communicate the gospel, if you'll just go over these bullet points, you have the gospel right here in front of you. Christmas story says what? A Savior has been born to you who is Christ the Lord. It's good news for all people. That's what the shepherds discovered. What do we see in Matthew 1? Again, you'll give him the name Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. And so here is the gospel. First, he was born in Bethlehem. In the city of David, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, took on human flesh. Philippians chapter 2 was he, he became a servant. He emptied himself, taking the very nature of a servant, being obedient, even obedience to death on a cross. And so he was born in Bethlehem. Second, lived a perfect sinless life. You and I have sinned. Every one of us in this room, we all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. But Jesus Christ never sinned. He's sinless son of God. Next, he was crucified on an old rugged cross. When you think about how painful that must have been, he came to save his people from their sins. That meant death on a cross, nails piercing his hands and feet, a crown of thorns over his head, and a spear piercing his side. I can't even begin to comprehend. It hurts me when I get a paper cut, much less nails piercing my hands and feet. But he loved us that much that he was willing to be crucified before two criminals on an old rugged cross. And then he was buried in a borrowed tomb. He borrowed a tomb because he wasn't going to be there super long, just a few days, so he wasn't going to need it a long time. So they just borrowed a tomb. And then here's the next one. He walked out of the tomb on resurrection morning. Thank the Lord that we have Christmas, but thank the Lord we have Easter resurrection morning because on that morning, the stone was rolled away. The tomb was empty. Jesus Christ no longer is a baby, no longer crucified on a cross, no longer occupying a tomb. Jesus Christ is alive. And one day he's coming again. We see that promise to come again one day. This time he's not coming as an infant. He's coming as king of kings and lord of lords. He's coming to rule and to reign. And every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord when he comes again. That's the gospel. And so I encourage you, with your, get your family together tonight, tomorrow, what a blessed thing to do to open up God's word from Luke chapter two and read the Christmas story before paper starts flying and boxes start going everywhere. This is what the Christmas story is about. It's about Jesus. And share the gospel, those points I just gave you, and talk about who Christ is in your life. Because look at this next, thing. life is to be about Jesus. He must increase and we must decrease. Now, 10 actions out that allow Jesus to increase. And you can, you can breathe easier. I'm not gonna spend five minutes on each one. And so we, wanna, we want you to be, have time with your family tonight. But I wanna give you these. When I look at these 10 words in my life, when I pray and every time I preach in this pulpit, I did it tonight. In my study, I'll literally get down on my knees and I'll just pray, Lord Jesus, will you give me recall, remembrance, and new insight? Will you allow your Holy Spirit to work in my life? But Lord Jesus, at the end of everything, may you increase and may I decrease in in, in preaching the word. John chapter three, verse 30. 
How does that happen in life? Look at number one is the word sacrifice. That's a tough word. But as we think about the word sacrifice, what do we mean by that? We mean this, that Jesus came to give his life for you and for me. So Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but ultimately to die on Calvary's cross. And if Jesus is going to increase and we're going to decrease, he's called us to die to self as well. That's why he said, I want you to pick up your cross daily and follow me. When we, we resigned in Tallahassee, Florida to move here to Clarksville, Tennessee, we had somebody in our church who took up some nails, big, big nails, and they made this piece of art with it. And this, we have it in our house. It's extremely impressive, but it's, it's a guy who's carrying the cross following Jesus. And the person in Tallahassee just said, I always want to challenge you. Make sure that you pick up your cross daily and follow Jesus. It's a, it's a call to die. And so when you think about if he's going to increase and you're going to decrease, what are you sacrificing for the person of Christ? He gave his life for you. What are you sacrificing for him? Make sure, again, you're living a life of sacrifice if he's going to increase. Second word, surrender. Make sure you're following him. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus, beside the Sea of Galilee, calls some sets of brothers and says, I want you to leave everything and come and follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. When you look at your life on this Christmas Eve and you think about, it's all about Jesus and the Christmas story. Are you following Jesus? Have you surrendered your life to him tonight yourself? And when you, when you look at your position in life, whatever your position you have, are you following him in that position? When you look at the salary that you make in your career, are you following him even with the income that you have? When you look at the title that you have in life, whatever title that may be, are you following Jesus with your title? When you look at the applause of people, and sometimes people applaud us for various things. When you look at the applause of people, are you being encouraged by that? But ultimate praise goes to him, not simply to you. Because if you're going to say Jesus must increase and I must decrease, you must live a life of surrender because he surrendered his life for you. You need to be willing to surrender your life for him. Third word is the word study. I just encourage you in your walk with him, if, if he's going to increase and you're going to decrease, you need to make a commitment to study the word of God. And what do I mean by that? Psalm chapter 1 just says that we're to be a part of the word every day. Joshua chapter 1 says we should be a part of the word every day. The book of Ezra, when you look at the Old Testament, you see this insight here for the good hand of his God was on him. For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. So what is he doing? He's studying the word of God. He's, he's obeying it. He's doing it. But he's also teaching it to other people. I just encourage you, make a point this year that you study the, the word of God in your life. Now, as we challenge our church this morning, in 2024, we're challenging God's people to be in the Bible every day. Study the Word of God. Be, be consistent. Look into God's face. See what He's saying to you. We've got Bible reading plans you can get online. You can see them out in the concourse. If you need a Bible, we've got some out in the concourse. We'll be glad to give you. But we want you to study the Word of God and see who the Lord Jesus Christ is. Be a student of God's Word. It will change your walk and your relationship with him. He will increase when you study the word of God in your life. Number four is the word service. Uh, we, we come to serve. He saved you, not to be a spectator. He saved you and he's gifted you so that you would serve him. 
when you look at the life of the Lord Jesus, again, born in Bethlehem on, on, on Christmas, lived a perfect sinless life, but in the upper room, what do we see the Son of God, the Savior of the world doing? He gets up from the meal. He takes off his outer garment. He takes a towel and a basin of water and he bends down and he starts washing the feet of his disciples. How many of us would be comfortable serving that way? But he had the title of a servant. I just encourage you, if Jesus is going to increase and you're going to decrease, make sure you live your life with the mindset of a servant. I'm not here to be served. No, I'm here to serve. And who do you serve? Well, you you serve by having gospel conversations. You serve by ministering to the least of these, people who need help. You serve by kingdom work. This is what the kingdom of God is about. You make a difference when you serve that way. And so if Jesus is going to increase and you and I are going to decrease, we must have the mindset of a servant. We must be willing to serve. Number five is the word Sabbath. It's an interesting word because if Jesus is going to increase and we're going to decrease, we must follow his example And in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, what did Jesus do? Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus, the Son of God and Savior of the world, would get up and go off to a solitary place, and there he would pray. He got away from the crowds. He got away from all the responsibilities, and he just spent time with the Heavenly Father. I encourage you to slow down the pace of your life and spend time with the Lord in your life. The very one who was born in a manger in Bethlehem, he wants to spend time with you in your life. And that means you practice time in your life where you get away and you you focus on him and worship in the word and prayer and being still before him. You practice Sabbath by being alone with him. And here's what will happen in your life. If you want him to increase and you to decrease, if you will commit less time to television, less time to social media, less time to entertainment, and more time worshiping him, studying about him, and following him, you will see Jesus getting greater and greater and greater in your life. What a glorious thing on Christmas Eve for him to increase and for us to decrease. Word number six is the word see. Do you see him? 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4 is an interesting context in Scripture because in that passage, talking about Jesus, but here's what it says. And, and, and this thrills my heart when I see this in God's Word. They say in this passage, in 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, it says, we, we have seen him and our hands have touched him. On this Christmas Eve, can you and I comprehend that? One day in heaven, in Revelation 22, 4, we're going to see him face to face. What a glorious thought that is on Christmas Eve. We're going to see him, the very one who came from heaven to Bethlehem, the very one who died and shed his blood, the very one who's victorious over the grave, the very one who has saved us and forgiven us. We are going to see him face to face. But in 1 John, in fellowship with him, it says they what? They saw him and they touched him. I can't comprehend that. What is it going to be like to see him, but what is it like to touch him? Incredible. 
Let me ask you this. When you read and you study the word of God, do you see Jesus in his word? When you study the word of God and you walk with him, do you see Jesus at work in your life? And when you look at the church and you look at other people, do you see Jesus at work in their lives? If he's going to increase and we're going to decrease, we need to be willing to see him at work. Number seven is the word sent. We need to be willing to go as he calls us to go. That's what the Great Commission is about. We're to go to all nations. You say, what does that mean? Well, go to your neighbors first. Who in your neighborhood, not in church, may not have a relationship to Christ? Who, who are those people? And then you go to the nations somewhere. Again, he wants you to go somewhere around the world to be able to do that. One of the desires we have in 2024 as a church that we will mobilize our members to be on mission in our city, in our state, in our nation, but around the world. You can look on our website. We've got multiple mission opportunities for you to be involved, being sent, sharing Christ literally to your neighborhoods, but also to the nations. Number A is the word shepherd. That's an important word there as well when I think about shepherd because he's called us to care for the needs of people. Now, he called me many, many years ago to be a pastor, an under-shepherd. He's the good shepherd. I'm just seeking to follow him. I'm the under-shepherd, but I'm seeking to follow the good shepherd. But he wants us to shepherd people and to be involved in the lives of people who are hurting and who have needs in life. When I look at it, I, I say this to other pastors oftentimes, I want to look like the shepherd I want to be more like Christ, but I want to smell like the sheep because I'm hanging around God's people. And so he wants us to care for others. When Jesus increases in your life and you decrease, other people are going to be on the radar screen of your life because as much as he's given you, you want to give to somebody else. Number nine is the word suffer. It's a hard word for us in our culture, in our context. But here's what the Bible says. In this world, you will have trouble. Here's what the Bible says. If you desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, you will be persecuted. We don't understand that in our culture at this point. I wouldn't imagine persecution is too far down the road for those of us in America. Just, we should be ready for that. But when you look at brothers and sisters in Christ from around the world and other nations, it is commonplace for them to realize that if I name the name of Christ and he increases in my life, suffering and persecution are coming as a result of my obedience to Jesus. They don't run from it, but they want to embrace it and be faithful to Christ. I've been with suffering believers around the world and they have hearts that are so contagious and amazing because of their love and faithfulness to Christ. Then word number 10 is the word speak. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will be my witnesses. We need to speak the good news of Christ to other people. So I encourage you as a family, open up Luke 2 over the next few hours tomorrow. Speak the name of Christ. If he's going to increase and we're going to decrease, speak Jesus to people around you. Here's what the world's going to do. The world's going to try to convince you and me. It's all about you and me. I just encourage you to look at John 3.30 and say, no, 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 it's not all about me. It's not all about you, but it is about him. When I was in Tallahassee, I had the opportunity of pastoring uh, Coach Bobby Bowden, legendary coach of Florida State, one of the greatest college coaches to ever live, Hall of Fame, won national championships. Uh, he was just an incredible, incredible coach, and, and he just understood football so well. 
But he was, here's what was even more important to him. He loved his wife. He'd been married about 70-something years. Loved his kids. And he walked faithful to Jesus. He would sit in my study at times, and there was no question that for Coach Bobby Bowden, he wanted John 3.30 to be evident in his life, even though he was a Hall of Fame coach, won national titles, had all the rings, all the stuff that comes with that. He wanted to make sure that Jesus increased in his life, and he decreased. I remember when he passed away, there was a letter that he ultimately gave his kids, and we read that as his funeral service. And the letter was about his heart for his, his kids to know Jesus and coach Bobby Bowden the legendary coach had ultimately said to his kids my desire is for all of you as kids to know Christ and he talked about this he said I've been to the top of the mountain and he said I want to tell you at the top of the mountain there's not really anything up there oh there may be a national title there may be a ring there may be something else but in the end it really doesn't matter what matters is your relationship with Christ. He was speaking the good news of Jesus. And so tonight on this Christmas Eve, I want to encourage us in this room. You could be a, a young boy or girl. You could be a student. You could be a young adult or much more mature adult. But tonight the Lord has placed you in this worship center for a divine moment just like this. And I want to encourage you. You can experience love. You can experience hope. You can experience joy. You can experience peace. Why? Because his name is Jesus. He loves you. He gave his life for you. He shed his blood for you. He invites you to turn from your sin and put your trust in him. He invites you to be born again, to have new life. Had the assurance that you're going to spend eternity in heaven. He's inviting you to surrender your life on this Christmas Eve to the one who can change everything about your life. Will you trust Jesus on this Christmas Eve to be your Savior? Our pastoral staff is going to be here in front in just a moment. I'm going to be here as well. And if we can pray for you tonight, for you to turn from your sin and put your trust in Christ and experience new life in him, that would be a glorious, glorious Christmas Eve. But tonight also you may be here and say, I've been increasing but not Jesus, and you need that to change. Tonight, even as a believer, I would encourage you to pray a prayer to say, Jesus, from tonight moving forward, will you increase and will I decrease? What an amazing Christmas Eve that would be for you, for your family, for those around you, that Jesus becomes everything about your life. I want us to bow together and pray. Then here in just a moment, we're going to sing a Christmas carol of invitation, Away in a Manger. As we did the update just a few weeks ago, yeah, it, that's a great, great song, but here's the truth of that. A way in a manger, it really is the way in a manger because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. So tonight, I'm gonna lead us in a prayer and then we're gonna stand and sing and we wanna encourage you, if you need to make a spiritual decision, knowing Christ or following him, that he would increase and you would decrease, we encourage you to come forward tonight. We'd love to pray with you and help you take that next step in your relationship with Jesus, the Son of God and Savior of the world. Lord Jesus, we love you, we thank you. Thank you, in you we have love. In you we have hope, in you we have joy, in you we have peace. And Lord Jesus, tonight, may you increase even in this invitation. 
because life is about you. It's not about, about us, Lord. It's about you. And we want to make sure everything we do as a church is about the Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord, and thank you for inviting us to come to you and experience new life. And we, we rejoice in the person of Christ. And I pray this tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.